This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And away we go. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak and a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. The legendary Jim Mars is standing by from the great Republic of Texas. He'll join us momentarily as we commemorate the 15th anniversary of 9-11, 15 years ago. Just staring through the glass uh, at my young technical producer, Ian Robertson, 15 years ago. Uh, how old would you have been, Ian? Um, two, maybe? I don't know. I have socks that are older than you. But do you have any recollections of 9-11? Any at all? Yeah, I was in school. <laughs> you were in, what grade? It was grade one. Grade one. Okay, yeah. so b- barely registered. Probably you yeah, knew something maybe was a little off that day, but to stay home. and you were probably sh- you were yeah. probably shielded from the the, the yeah. truth as you should have been. Yeah. Wow, it's hard to believe. Yeah, unless people are let's say twenty seven, maybe they they really probably have no discernible memories uh, of of uh, of nine eleven, and we'll get into that. Uh, here in a moment. Um, speaking of which, for those of you listening who attended my live event this afternoon, Where Did the Towers Go with uh, Dr. Judy Wood, thank you all, uh, one and all for coming out. And I have to tell you, I am still coming down uh, from the event. What can I say about Dr. Wood's presentation? Spellbinding, absolutely compelling. And um, you know, I mentioned this in, in, when I introduced her this afternoon. You know, She has been called a kook, a fraud, a disinfo agent. Uh, and by whom? Uh, Forget the mainstream media. Quite frankly, Dr. Judy Wood doesn't get mentioned in the mainstream media. Um, she's being called these things, by and large, by some in the 9-11 truth movement. Uh, you know, the Stephen Jones, the Alex Jones, the Richard Gages, uh, all people who I've interviewed uh, on, the, on the program, uh, and I have a lot of time for, for all of them. Um, and um, I, I interviewed Judy Wood when her, her book came out many years ago, Where Did the Towers Go?, so I know what she's on about, and I understand, you know, she challenges the uh, official alternative, I call it the official alternative version of 9-11, which is controlled demolition and nanothermite. Um, and I was on side with that for a very long time. 
I have to tell you, though, the way she laid out her argument this afternoon and her PowerPoint presentation, home run, knocked it out of the park for me. And I, I said uh, this, this afternoon be, before I introduced uh, Dr. Wood, uh, the 9-11 truthers, not all of them, but some, are using the same tactics against Dr. Wood that they accuse the mainstream media of using against them. So the slave has become the tyrant. And I, uh, I just want to go on record. I, I think it is time. I know. I don't think. I know. It is time for Dr. Judy Wood uh, to get a fair hearing by the 9-11 truthers. And, and Richard Gage and Alex Jones and Stephen Jones and others, uh, they need to actually sit down, read her book, examine her evidence. And uh, I encourage all of you who weren't at the uh, event this afternoon to start looking into Dr. Wood's work. Evidence of, the, of uh, directed free energy on 9-11. Uh, no, we're not talking about lasers mounted on sharks. Uh, the, uh, uh, the technology to dustify, the dustification of two 110-story buildings, uh, plus most of Building 4, uh, parts of 5 and 6. You can, uh, anyway, you can see it with your own eyes when you watch the videos of, those, of the buildings coming down. You can see the steel girders dissolving into dust as they descend to the ground like well, this is Dr. Judy Wood's description, I think is very apt. They look like Elka-Seltzer tablets in a glass of water. And when you look at it, it finally it, 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 it dawned on me, my God, that's true. Uh, anyway, so you missed today's event. Not to worry. Just keep checking the live events page at strangeplanet.ca because coming up uh, next on October the 15th and uh, young Ian Robertson, you young rockabilly, uh, you'll be interested in this. Take a walk on the dark side. Rock and roll myths, legends, and curses with uh, R. Gary Patterson and special Skype appearances by Leo Lyons from 10 Years After, Peggy Sue Guerin, the muse of Buddy Holly, and uh, Bill Harry, friend of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, publisher of Mercy Beat Magazine. They'll be joining us on Skype, L.A. or um, uh, R. Gary Patterson, live on stage. That's Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Saturday, October the 15th, 4 to 8 p.m., J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium here in Toronto. Uh, go to strangeplanet.ca and uh, the live events page for more information and to order tickets. All right. Um, so I mentioned uh, Ian uh, twisting the uh, knobs and dials. Albert is here, remote viewer, story producer. Albert is running our HOA, our Hangout on Air. And if you want to stream this radio program on YouTube, here's what you need to do. Go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top of the feed or near the top of the feed. Find the link with the HOA in it and just click on that or find the tweet with the HOA link. Click on that and you're in. Um very quickly, next week on the program, The Secret Life of Howard Hughes, uh, plus a special tribute to late-night radio legend, the late Earl Bruce Knapp, host of a, a wildly a wildly popular late-night radio program here in southern Ontario called Strange Days Indeed, and uh, which was primarily a UFO show. Victor Vigiani will be here with me to pay tribute. All right, for the next uh, 40 minutes or so, we're going to discuss... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 9-11, what else, on the 15th anniversary. And here to help us uh, do it uh, really is, uh, I, uh, he, as I mentioned earlier, he's, you know, the pantheon of, of researchers in this field, and he's in, he's at the top of the pantheon as far, as far as I'm concerned. Jim Mars is a native of Fort Worth, Texas. He earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in journalism from the University of North Texas in 1966. Did I say that out loud? And attended graduate school at Texas Tech in Lubbock, speaking of Buddy Holly, Lubbock 
of Texas for two years more. He's worked for several Texas newspapers, including the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and uh, served as a police reporter, general assignment reporter. Uh, Moving ahead, 2007, he retired from the University of Texas at Arlington, where he had taught a course on the Kennedy assassination since 1976. And, of course, his 1989 book, Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, was published to critical acclaim, reached the New York Times paperback nonfiction bestseller list, and it became, became a basis for the Oliver Stone film JFK. He served as a chief consultant for both the film's screenplay and the production. Uh, Other notable works, of course, Alien Agenda, Rule by Secrecy, The War on Freedom, The Terror Conspiracy, Above Top Secret, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, one of my favorites. And uh, we should mention that his um, book, which just came out um, a short time ago, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, has just been released as uh, as soft cover. Uh, Jim Mars, welcome. How are you, my friend? Hey, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Likewise. All right. Here we are, uh, 15 years on. And I mentioned, you know, there's um, the uh, the 9-11, uh, those of us, you know, that, that are still concerned about it, most of us, but it's kind of divided into a number of camps. There's the the uh, the nanothermite, the controlled demolition camp. There's there are those who who steadfastly cling to the official version. Two planes slammed into the twin towers. Uh, Fifteen years on, I mean, how uh, have, has your position okay. moved? All right, are you ready? Are you ready for the answer? I am. The answer is yes. All of the above. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is why, Richard. I don't understand why that the. Uh, I mean, we're having trouble enough getting the uh, great unwashed masses out there to understand that two aircraft cannot bring down three buildings, okay? And they, and you go, and they go, what? And you go, yeah, Building 7, the Solomon Brothers building, you know, it collapsed at 5.30 on the afternoon of September the 11th, 2001, and uh, it was not hit by airplanes, and they go, What? Because a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, are still unaware that three buildings went down in New York. So we have problems enough right there without squabbling amongst ourselves over, was it thermite? Was it nanothermite? Was it conventional cutters? Was it nukes? Was it particle beam weapons, energy-directed weapons? Because the answer is yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm pretty convinced, Richard, that they used a combination of exotic technology, much of which is not known to the public, which is what allowed them to pull off the 9-11 attack, the 9-11 terrorist operation, and uh, get away with it. Because uh, not only were they using nanothermite, which is not generally known except to the building demolition experts, um, they were also using um, small uh, shape-charged nukes. And if people think, well, that's impossible, because, see, most people think of a nuclear bomb, they think of that picture of Little Boy that we dropped on Hiroshima, and it was, you know, this great, big, huge, fat-looking bomb. Right. But um, I recall when I was a kid in the 50s, uh, seeing newsreels where they were shooting atomic artillery shells 
they had a big old cannon they called the Long Tom, and they would fire that cannon, and then 10 miles downrange, they would, there would be a small tactical nuclear explosion. So they had uh, nukes the size of artillery shells, which is what, maybe two or three foot long, and uh, oh, a foot or two around. Okay, that was in the 50s. So the idea that today they have many nukes that uh, are about the size of a small basketball or maybe an enlarged baseball or softball, you know, that, that they have those. This is the current technology. We just, the popular, the uh, public is not popularly aware of that, okay? So you put, this, you put these mini-nukes in the basement where there is plenty of testimony that there were explosions in the basements of the World Trade Center towers, okay? Um, the, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Mike Picararo who said that he went up, uh, uh, up through the basements after being knocked down by an explosion. That was a janitor, the- right. Yes, and uh, went to a machine shop, and there was a huge drill press that had been just disintegrated. Okay, now you take those mini uh, nukes, you put them in the basement with a shape charge. They take out those forty-seven steel girders that are the spindle, the the prop, the that hold up those buildings. This would allow them to come down. Then you use your thermite to take care of all of the support. Uh, beams, and then you use your conventional cutter charges to take care of the rest, and the whole thing would just totally collapse uh, because there is no, uh, there's nothing holding up the weight. Now, this is what happens, okay? But now, also, you have to ask yourself, what about the toilets? <laughs> Let's talk toilets for a minute. There weren't have any. Have you ever tried there weren't to any. destroy a toilet? Exactly. You know, you can beat on it, you can smash it to pieces, you can kick it all around, but it's not easy to destroy a toilet. And think how many toilets were in this 110-story building. Think how many metal filing cabinets were mm-hmm. in that building. Telephones. What happened? Did you to ever all see a telephone? That? No. No. Now you got a 110-story building, and and it got hit by a plane. It caught fire and it collapsed. That's what we're told. It should have left a debris pile of more than 10 stories. Mm-hmm. And yet, all we saw was less than two stories, and it was just a few desultory ruins and debris. What happened to all of the mass of those buildings? Obviously, there was something else going on, and uh, I don't think we should rule out Judy Wood or others who talk about. Um, a directed energy weapon because I know we're working on that. In fact, Richard, I'm going to cut you in on a little secret, you and your uh, listeners. Hold on to that secret, Jim. Hold on to that secret. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Jim Mars, Rule by Secrecy, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Alien Agenda, The Terror Conspiracy, Above Talk Secret, Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, and now available in paperback, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us. Stay with us as we commemorate the 15th anniversary of 9-11. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To get the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. So delighted to have Jim Mars with us. And who else uh, as we commemorate the uh, the 15th anniversary of uh, the 9-11 attacks? And again, just a reminder, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, uh, now available in soft cover. And uh, actually, I think that was the last time you came uh, to Toronto, Jim. Uh, Your presentation had everything to do with uh, population control. Um, That's correct. Now. That's why I think this may be one of my more important books. Uh, reading about Kennedy assassination, reading about plots and conspiracies and uh, the rise of the Fourth Reich, the way that the Nazis were brought in over to North America and rolled into our government and our military industrial complex. These are all really, really interesting, important stories. But, you know, uh, population control, this, this gets beyond politics. It gets beyond philosophies. Uh, we're talking self-defense. If you want to protect yourself and your family and your loved ones, you better find out what they're doing to you, what they're putting in your food, what they're putting in your water, what they're spraying in your air, uh, what they're putting in your vaccines. And you better learn what what they're doing so you can protect yourself. Uh, Indeed. And um, before the break, you were about to let us in on a big secret. We were talking uh, first of all, we were you were sort of itemizing all those things that should have been found in a debris uh, a pile when a building collapses, like toilets, like filing cabinets, like telephones. Mm-hmm. Naria one was found, which right. tends to uh, you know, which to so me is is evidence of a dire- of, of some sort of directed uh, energy. Right. right, something disappeared them. Okay. Yes. Now, what is it? Okay, Judy Wood actually makes, and I've met her and talked with her, interviewed her. And she makes a, a very cogent argument uh, for a some sort of a um, energy weapon. Uh, the place where I think she's theorizing and, and may have caused her some trouble is because she, as I recall, she was saying that she thought it may have come from a space-based weapon, from a satellite. Okay? I, without going into a long song and dance, I have very good reason to believe that a particle beam disintegrator type weapon was being developed at uh, at uh, Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island in the center of the island there okay in 1989 this weapon was tested and used to bring down a UFO uh, in 1992, it was tested again and brought down a UFO that crashed in South Haven Park and, cr- and caused a huge big fire there that actually made national news. But, of course, they didn't mention the UFO. They just said it was a big fire. Uh, in 1996, I believe, it, this same weapon was tested uh, 65 miles out uh, southeast of Long Island uh, at a test area designated Tango Billy, and it was a military exercise where they shot a missile at a drone aircraft, and the purpose of the test, of course, what they've been trying to do for years, see if they could stop a missile in flight. 
And so they fired the missile at the drone, and the disintegrator beam, the particle beam accelerator from Brookhaven was used to see if they could stop that missile. Unfortunately, the TWA-800, ah. which had had a minor, minor malfunction and right. was late taking off, climbed into the trajectory of this beam weapon and was knocked down in friendly fire. That was the TWA-800. And, of course, they couldn't admit to what happened there because that was our most top-secret weapons testing. Okay, But everybody with the TWA told the truth. People who said there was a missile, there was. People who saw a drone aircraft or a mystery aircraft, there it was. People who saw a light in the sky, that was the beam weapon. So everybody, even the government told the truth to a limited degree. They said a spark got in a central fuel tank and uh, blew up the airplane, which is true. But why did the spark get in a central fuel tank? And it's because the beam weapon hit the aircraft and fried the onboard computers, and everything was sparking and flashing, and valves were opening and closing, and that's how the spark got in the fuel tank. Now, that was the TW-800. Now, if they could use that as an ins- uh, disintegrator beam, and they could use it uh, at a target 65 miles to the southeast, all I, su- I suggest all they had to do was turn that weapon uh, a little further south, and it's only 25 miles to the World Trade Center buildings. And I think that was what was used to spray those buildings and disintegrate. You, you mentioned yourself uh Richard, the fact that there are films showing steel girders that do not fall over, they simply disintegrate in midair. Dustification is what she calls it. Yeah, like, a, like an Elka-Seltzer tablet go. in a glass of water. Yep. And it just, it just, it just blows, blows away. It disintegrates. And that's why. So what happened on 9-11 is they were using exotic technology – only known in the inner circles of the military-industrial complex, and therefore they could come out with any screwy uh, cover story, uh, something along the lines of the single bullet theory, and nobody was in a position to say, well, no, that's not right, because here's what it was, because we didn't know. And I'll tell you another thing, there was an exotic technology was not known at time that was used on 9-11 that's very important to understand how that happened. And that is the remote computer capture of onboard uh, flight computers on aircraft. All right, tell me more. In the 1980s, I was uh, interviewing a pilot for a commercial airliner, and uh, after the interview, we were just talking, and he said, you know, my job's redundant. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, the, these new planes, these new wide-bodied Boeing jets, said uh, they, they're, they're fly-by-wire. They're fly-by-computer. Mm-hmm. You know, the computer flies the airplane. He said, I'm just there in case the computer breaks. And so I'm going, wow. You know, so I did some study. Well, come to find out this is true. Now, here's a bad analogy, but if you're using a CB radio, and you're talking to somebody, and I come along, uh, and I have a much stronger CB signal than you, then that's what they call I step on you, okay? Right, right. 
you, the person listening is going to hear me. They're not going to hear you because my signal is stronger. They can take stronger signals and they can intercept an airplane's computer and they can enter that computer, take over the computer. In fact, uh, in my book, The Terror Conspiracy Revisited, I quote uh, the head of British Airways who in early 2001 said, you know, the era of, of uh, airline hijacking is over with. He said, because now we can capture the onboard computer remotely and we can guide the aircraft to a safe landing regardless of the desires of the hijackers or even the flight crew. This is amazing, uh, Jim, that you're bringing this up now because I, I wanted to mention this because after the event today, uh, uh, Patrick and Kadena from Conspiracy Culture and, and Judy and I, we went to dinner, and Judy has had a conversation with someone in... Um, uh, a pilot, I believe it was, saying the, the exact same thing. I remember, too, she, she brought up back in the 70s, it almost became a cliche. It was every week there was a plane being hijacked and diverted to Cuba. Yeah. Uh, and, and she went back and she said in 1974 there were 50 planes hijacked and diverted to places like Cuba. Then all of a sudden, at some point, late 70s, early 80s, it stopped. And what you're talking about, that's the reason. That's the reason. Standard equipment on Boeing uh, uh, aircraft, pilot, what, punches in a code, and uh, he hears someone pounding on the door, let us in, we're taking over. He punches in that code, or she punches in that code, and now the control of the airplane goes to the tower. That's right. There's nothing a hijacker can do. Nobody can control that airplane. You cannot hijack a modern uh, airplane. That's true. By the way, and then add insult to injury, uh, pilots uh, for 9-11 Truth managed to get hold of some of the black box recordings on the flight that, uh, uh, that they said hit the Pentagon. And what they found was in all the parameters there that the uh, flight uh, deck door had not been opened during flight. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> If the flight deck door hadn't been open, how did the how did Honey Honjor get in the cockpit and guide that plane to the Pentagon? Exactly. Of course, of course the ball face fact is is that no plane hit the Pentagon. There were eighty two security cameras all on and around the Pentagon. And that afternoon before the afternoon before the sun went down, the FBI had grabbed all of that and we have never seen any of it. Well we saw one sort of very fragmented video. I don't know if it 16, came from a from, 16 frames. Yeah, from a shell station or something across the road. Right. And what I love is I remember watching Bill O'Reilly and for two or three days he was saying, We now have the film of the plane hitting the Pentagon and we'll put to rest all of these crazy conspiracy theories and we're gonna show that tomorrow night or whatever and and then they actually ran those sixteen frames and then Bill O'Reilly himself said, I didn't see a plane. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. The other you don't. Uh, while you we're talking see a plane. <laughs> uh, also let me mention this. Richard, you know as well as I do, after every major air disaster, they come along and they pick up every single little piece of that aircraft that they can find, and they take it to a big hangar, and they reassemble it, okay, right. so that they can try to determine what exactly caused that crash so we can prevent future occurrences. Show me a picture of the debris of uh, that flight that they said hit the Pentagon, put together in a hangar, and I will shut up about the Pentagon. 
but you haven't seen it, and you're not going to see it because there was no plane involved. Well, we all remember, and many of us remember, uh, at least while it was available, and I, it may still be online, I'm not sure. I'm talking about the CNN reporter Jamie McIntyre, who was on the scene right, uh, and <laughs> said there is no evidence. This Again, you always pay attention to the early reports. I learned this from you years ago, Jim. You, you pay attention to those early reports because then they disappear. You'll never hear again, hear right. from them again. Jamie McIntyre on the scene saying no, re- no evidence of a plane crash hitting a building here. And... Uh, we saw the footage, and again, out on the uh, the front lawn there, the Pentagon, no debris, no debris. No. So what happened? Did did some <laughs> some except for Donald Rumsfeld running along with a little bitty piece he's holding in his hand, and of course, I always wonder, you know, did he pick it up or was he putting it down? <laughs> right. So what what happened there? Did some Hercules transport plane come by and and drop this stuff on the front lawn? Oh, they they had a they had a few pieces ready to go. You know, this uh, uh, it, it, this was actually a, a very well-planned operation. Unfortunately, it didn't come off exactly as they wanted it to. Uh, I think something happened. Uh, the plane went down in Pennsylvania. I think that plane was the one that was uh, supposed to hit uh, uh, Building 7. And so that didn't happen. So at 5:30 that afternoon, uh, suddenly they decided, well, we 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 got to get rid of the evidence because that's where their command center was. So they dropped Building Seven. That's after, and I have seen the films, newsreels of the firemen coming down the street, going, "Get back, get back!" The building's coming down. How did they know it was coming down? There was only a few desultory fires in a few of the in a couple of the uh, floors, not enough to bring down a building. That building came down straight down in its own footprint in a matter of seconds, free fall speed. The only way that can happen is with pre-planned demolition. And if Building 7 was brought down by demolition, as stated by Larry Silverstein, he said, we decided to pull it, so we pulled it. Okay? And if that was brought down by controlled demolition, then why is it so outrageous to claim that the World Trade Centers were brought down by controlled demolition? Uh, we're going to head into a break here shortly. Let me ask you the question now, and we'll get into the conversation, continue it afterwards. And, and that has to do with the, uh, the 28 pages that were finally released this, I think it was uh, July 20th, heavily redacted. Uh, these were from the first 9-11 commission. This was the one chaired by... Uh, Florida Senator Bob Graham, and the one nobody remembers or pays attention to for some reason. Uh, and he, he tried to subpoena – he had a crack team of investigators. They tried to subpoena all these FBI field agents. They were stonewalled at every turn. They were told, no, you can't interview this person. You can't interview that person. Um, what, what do you make of the uh, – and the, the media reports are in those 28 pages. Oh, no smoking gun here. What, what is your take on, the, on those 28 pages? Anything of use there? No, no, it's all been redacted and it's all been classified and it's all been, it, it's, the whole thing is, it's, it, what people don't understand is, when you talk about a conspiracy, if it's a conspiracy, a low-level conspiracy, if it's a few thugs or a criminal gang, and you have honest cops and honest FBI and honest, you know, federal marshals, they, they investigate and they can find out the truth of all this stuff. This was controlled at the very top. 
at the very top. And that's why, by the way, this explains why you have people who had absolutely no direct contact with 9-11, but they were experts in architecture. Uh, they were uh, experts in building construction, building demolition. Uh, a lot of them are connected to universities who uh, are dependent upon government grants. They're dependent upon government contracts. They are all closely tied to the government. And when it happens and they look at it and they said, this stinks, but then they realize that the power is at the top. And they don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to lose their contracts. They don't want to lose their government grants. And as a result, this explains why there has been such a resounding silence from people who know better. They know what happened, but they know they better not say anything about it. Yes, especially when there's tenure on the line. All right, uh, Jim Mars stays with us. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to talk about uh, 9-11, the 15th anniversary. And I want to sort of circle back to the uh, uh, the uh, particle beam in Brookhaven. Um, some pretty remarkable things you said there, Jim. We, we have to revisit that as well. I'm back with more. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Jim Mars stays with us till the top of the hour, uh, talking about the 15th anniversary of uh, 9-11. And uh, we should also mention once again, Population Control Uh, is... um, a book that just came out, uh, what, a year and a half, two years ago, now available uh, in soft cover. And um, I want to go back to uh, the um, evidence for particle beam, uh, a weapon or some sort of advanced exotic technology that was used on 9-11. And you mentioned this installation in Brookhaven uh, on Long Island. And um, first of all, how did you piece this all together? You talked about the fact that it was used to bring down uh, a UFO. Uh, uh, and um, I mean, how did you piece that together, Jim? Well, that's uh, been o- over a long period of time. Uh, going back to the um, late 80s uh, with the success of Crossfire, uh, I asked people all across the country, I said, what do you think's the next big deep, dark, secret government cover-up? And almost unanimously, from cab drivers to publishers, they said, well, we'd like to know what's the truth about UFOs. So I began to delve back into the UFO issue. I had been interested in UFOs since a kid in the 50s. Uh, I had written about it in the 60s uh, and in, uh, at the uh, newspaper I worked for. I had interviewed uh, J. Allen Hynek and... Um, uh, various and sundry other people connected to the space program and to uh, ufology. And uh, when I got back into it, I got a newsletter from um, up in the Midwest from a fellow who's dead now, but he was a really intrepid investigator. 
and he was talking about a UFO shootdown that took place in, I want to say, 1989 in Mauritius Bay, uh, which is up in on Long Island. And he said that they had used a, uh, I think he said a particle beam weapon, uh, and he said it was being developed at Brookhaven, and he had an interview. He interviewed one of the uh, scientists that were working on this weapon. Uh, so that caught my attention, and I kept up with that. In fact, there's a whole story there. There's a fellow, I think his name was John Ford, who began to investigate that and began to put out a lot of material about this. was They were using this, and they were shooting down these UFOs. Next thing you know, the feds raided him. The FBI were all over him. They said he was a nut and a kook, and they put, they put him away. Okay? So um, uh, as far as I know, he's still in jail somewhere, uh, as far as I can tell, for for trying to tell the truth. But again, you have to understand that they have to keep all this secret because, number one, the the uh, fact that UFOs being piloted by non-humans are traveling in our skies, have been visiting the Earth for millennia. Okay, this is one of the biggest secrets that they're still holding on to. Uh, because, and the main reason is because they view this exotic technology they want it for themselves they want to use it and weaponize it so this would fall into the category of potential new weaponry so they have to keep it quiet and again this comes back and then in uh, uh, 1992 i believe it was you can go google it find out about the big fire in south haven park um and uh, I had gotten word again through this same source that that, again, had been an instance of where they'd shot down a UFO and it crashed in the park and started a big fire. Uh, at the time of the TWA um, 800 crash, and I was investigating that along with Christina Borgeson of uh, CBS, uh, who had been assigned to find out what happened to the TWA 800, and we did, and she got fired, <laughs> and that story never came out because, again, it involved the uh, beam weapon, okay? But uh, we were on Long Island one time and heading back to New York, and it was late in the evening, and I saw a sign for South Haven Park. And I remembered the story about the UFO uh, that was shot down in South Haven in uh, 92, and I said, pull in the park here. Let me see. I said, let's Let's drive around, and I said, you know, if if that happened, uh, you know, there'll be fire damage, and we'll see maybe the tops of trees missing, and maybe I can find out for sure if that happened uh, and where it happened. But So when we pulled in the park, though, there was a little uh, park headquarters, I guess, a little building with a car out front, a ranger, park ranger. And I said, well, wait a minute, let's stop here. I said, why drive all around not knowing where we're going? Let me just see what I can find out here. So I went in, and uh, the park ranger was in there. And, uh, of course, I didn't want to front load him. I didn't want to tell him I'm looking for a UFO. I just said, hey, I'm a reporter. I'm from Texas. And I said, I just happened to be coming by here. And I said, hey, I remember you all had a big fire here back about 92. And he went, yeah. I said, hey, did you all ever figure out what caused that? What's going on there, you know? And he looked at me <laughs> very suspiciously, and he said, you want to know about the UFO, don't you? Mm. And I said, yes, I do. 
he said, well, I'd like to tell you, he said, because I was on duty that night, and I know all about it. He said, but I can't tell you about it. And I said, why not? He said, I've been threatened, and I, I could lose my pension. So I said, well, I don't want you to do that. So uh, I said, what, what about, was there anybody else here? And he said, yeah, I had a partner on that night. said, he doesn't work here anymore. And I said, well, you know, would he be willing to talk with me? And he said, well, let me check. And he goes off in another room, and he gets on the telephone. I hear him talking to somebody. He comes back. He said, no. He said he doesn't want to get involved, and he doesn't want to talk to you. So that was pretty much the end of that. But as far as I was concerned, that confirmed to me that there was a UFO brought down in South Haven Park. All right. And uh, uh, that, again, supports the idea of the beam weapon that was being developed there at Brookhaven. And uh, they're using them on uh, uh, alien craft, and, they're, and then they're turning around and, and using on them on us, apparently. We'll take a time out when we come back, uh, Jim. Uh, let's talk about... Um, I know you're anxious to talk about the possibility of an alien attack a la Battlefield Earth. Uh, We can talk about that. And then if time permits and if you're game, um, maybe just dip into the the U.S. presidential uh, election. Not sure if you're game for that, but we'll find out. Don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, But interesting report coming out of CNN now. Sanjay Gupta, the uh, health reporter. Uh, is saying it's time for Hillary to see a doctor. The question is, is he going to be fired just like Dr. Drew? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke... There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Jim Morris stays with us till the top of the hour. Population control, how corporate owners are killing us, just released in soft cover, Amazon.com, I'm assuming, Jim. Yes, in fact, it's just now been released. Uh, you know, uh, here's one of my big gripes. Uh, you go to Amazon, you look up my book, Population Control, and you're going to find several... Uh, people who've downgraded it, they give, they give me a one-star or a two-star. What? And when I read those, uh, it's amazing because they're not commenting on the content of the book. The, the All the five-stars, four-stars, and five-stars, they all comment on the book. The people who had cut it down were the people who thought that the cover price was too much. <laughs> and you know what, Richard, in a way, I, I, I tend to agree. Maybe it is too much, but they got to understand the author does not set the price of the book. The publisher sets the price of the book. So if their complaint is with the cost of the book, it's with the publisher. Don't go on Amazon and downgrade my book because you think the price is too high. (laughs) Excellent point. Excellent point. And, yes, you mentioned Battlefield Earth. You know, we've got uh, L. Ron Hubbard was, uh, before he ever got into Scientology, was really quite a prolific science fiction writer. In fact, actually wrote... A lot of things. He wrote westerns, and he wrote thrillers, and he wrote detective stories. Uh, and he was right up there with some of the giants in science fiction. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke and Ray Bradbury and uh, Isaac Asimov. And he wrote Battlefield Earth, and, and it's, still, it's still worth going to, to, to find because 
it was about uh, 3,000 years in the future, and the Earth has been under the subjugation of an alien race. But unlike some of the more recent uh, forays into that kind of fiction, like uh, Independence Day or right. whatever, where they come and they blow up the White House and they blow up the cities and they're trying to kill everybody, in Battlefield Earth, it's the, uh, it's the intergalactic bankers who bankroll the intergalactic mining company so that they can afford to buy the mining rights to Earth so they can come and strip the Earth of, of its mineral resources. And, of course, the pesky humans are kind of in the way, so, so they're, you know, relegated uh, uh, down to just a handful and hiding out in the hinterlands. And, but it's a wonderful, wonderful story about how that a bunch of downtrodden Earth people can get together and can mount a counteroffensive and win back the Earth, uh, you know, for the human race. Um, and so it's as valid now as when it was first written. Plus, they've got it in a new um, audio version that is mind-blowing because they've got, like, I don't know, more than 100 actors. They've got 150,000 sound effects. They've got a musical soundtrack. It's, uh, it's all told it's like 47 hours. Wow. Uh, but you see, stuff. is that how you, you know, see? If, if you're commuting, you could, be, you could be listening to this for the next year. Sure. You know? But is that how you see it breaking out, Jim? Do you, is that how you see an alien invasion sort of along those lines that we're going to be enslaved and, and uh, it's all about, you know, mining the, the minerals and so forth here yeah, on, on Earth? Yeah, they don't care about us. They, what they want is all the resources of the planet, water, minerals, uranium, gold, silver, you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, and the thing is, it would be... Uh, it would be counterproductive and expensive to try to invade another planet and occupy it, you know. But if you can figure out a way to decimate the population covertly so that they don't know what's happening to them, and when I say this, I'm thinking concurrently that, uh, and you're probably well aware of this, Richard, that the male sperm count has yes. been dropping yes. all around the world. It's true. Okay? It's true. And that, uh, and that we have so many things working against us right now. They're chemtrailing. We don't even know for sure what that's about because they won't even admit they're doing it. But we know it's got heavy metals. It's got barium, aluminum oxide, strontium that they're dropping on us. Um, we have these ailments today like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and things like that that I never even heard about when I was a kid, you know? Right, EMF. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course, the food we're eating, uh, at the rate we're going, uh, within just a few years, probably three-quarters of the population in the United States is going to be obese, okay? Obese but undernourished. Which is but kind of interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Because we're eating processed food, and it's got a lot of salt in it and a lot of sugar in it, so it tastes great, but there's no nutrition. And that's why people are getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and that's why uh, you go ask anybody in the job opportunities uh, business, and they're going to tell you, get into medicine. 
get into medicine, you know, be a medical therapist, be a, you know, if you're not going to be a doctor, be a nurse. It's recession-proof, for sure. Medical technician, because everywhere you go, everything, we're now turning into half the country is going to be treating the other half of the country. Well, it's interesting, you know, uh, I've, seen, I've read studies where, where people, I mean, we're living longer, but we're not living uh, better. I mean, people are losing their independence at younger ages, and you see, you see people in homes you know, in their in their in their early seventies, when they should be vibrant and out gardening and enjoying their their golden years. Right, exactly. Uh, and yet, and yet, they're in poor uh, poor health and and getting poor and lingering, lingering, malingering. Yeah. Yes, it's terrible to see. Uh, yeah. Just a few minutes left. I I don't want to put you on the spot, Jim, but I, I mean, it's just great theater. Uh, the the presidential uh, campaign. <laughs> um, so so we get to vote for. Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler? <laughs> Which one are we going to vote for? Oh dear. Um, what do you make though? The I mean, it's the 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 the, the divide is is stark uh, with you know the mainstream media uh, media uh, and almost covering well not almost just covering for Hillary uh, anyone who questions her health labeled a, a healther a conspiracy theorist. Uh, what do you take? Do you, what do you make of, well, of I, that? I've looked into that quite seriously. I've checked with some doctor friends of mine, and I've looked uh, at some of the things that's been posted, and then used my own common sense and looked at, you know, these these things where she's doing these uh, very odd things, being helped up the stage. I think she's in advanced stages of Parkinson, and I don't think she is health-wise competent to be president. And what worries me is the fact that they're propping her up, carrying her around, making, and, you know, she's not holding press conferences because she can't handle, you know, if she uh, she would have an episode if uh, she was put in front of reporters and they all started shouting questions at her. Uh, and I think it would become painfully obvious that she is physically not fit to be president. But what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are, we, are they going to keep covering for her and we're going to elect somebody who cannot serve? And then we get Kim, okay, who is pro-Muslim. And then we'll have a Muslim head of Homeland Security, a Muslim head of the Justice Department, and then we'll have a president who's overtly Muslim, unlike the current covert one. And uh, where are we then? Uh, no, the, the real issues are not even being talked about. And I don't really look to uh, Donald Trump as being the white knight on the on the white horse. I, I, I'm not sure he's the guy, uh, you know. But I will say this: number one, I, from everything I know about Donald Trump, I have never heard even a whisper that he would have someone murdered, that he would put a contract out on somebody. Okay, that's more than you can say for the Clintons. All right, and then by the same thing, when I look at Trump. He is not. Here's what people don't quite understand. He is not a Democrat. He's not really a Republican. He's not a liberal. He is not a conservative. He is a pragmatist. Okay. He is an entrepreneur and a pragmatic one at that. He sees a problem and he says, "Okay, what are we going to do to solve this?" And he solves it. You know. And I'm not sure, but maybe, just maybe, that's what we really need. He is a disruptor like we've not, we've not seen in 100 years. Which God knows we need. Perhaps. We, hey, we, I, I, Einstein said the very definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. 
Well, we keep voting for the Republican, we keep voting for the Democrat, and nothing changes. So maybe we need to do something different. Well, here's the, you, you mentioned you know he's not a Republican, he's not a Democrat. Who would thought? Who would have thought we would have the Republican nominee who's actually running to the left of Hillary when it comes to issues like trade and war? He's running to the left of her because, I mean, he is he's talking about no more nation building, no more you know foreign misadventures. We're not going to go in and topple governments anymore. He, he's saying what Bernie Sanders should have said. If Bernie Sanders had had gotten a bit between his teeth and had addressed those same issues along the same lines that Trump has, he might have got the Democratic National Convention, but then uh, a nomination. But then that wasn't the plan. He was just in there as a foible, you know, to to allow Hillary to get right in. Well, I, I hear the uh, the grandfather clock is telling you it's it's bedtime, Jim. So we're. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Time for my meds. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, Listen, it's always such a pleasure uh, speaking with you. Got to get you back up here to Toronto. And um, always love having you. And um, again, let's remind people, population control, how corporate owners owners are killing us. Uh, Now available in uh, soft cover. And, uh, And read Battlefield Earth. It's a great read. Indeed. All right, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Jim Mars, always a pleasure. Um, I, I mentioned the um, the report now that uh, Sanya, uh, Sanjay Gupta, who is uh, the CNN's health reporter, specialist, a correspondent, if you will, was uh, on uh, with Wolf Blitzer and um, sort of breaking ranks now uh, because the mainstream media, as I see it, has created this firewall uh, around uh, uh, Hillary and will not allow anyone to discuss her health. Uh, and, well, Sanjay Gupta has now done that. He has said before she gets on a plane tomorrow because she's scheduled to fly out west uh, for some yet some more fundraising. <laughs> uh, she spends a lot of time fundraising. Uh, she, so before she gets on that plane, Sanjay Gupta says she needs to see a doctor. She needs to have a proper exam. A wh- I mean, can you imagine uh, the trouble he could find himself in. I mean, Dr. Drew got fired for suggesting the same thing. So this is getting real interesting, folks. Hold on to your hats. All right. Uh, my website is strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal to uh, all of my projects, radio, like this program, TV, live events. Please check it out and take a moment uh, on the radio page to uh, click on that blue member button, become a member. And it's cheap. It's free. It doesn't get any cheaper than that. Uh, And it's easy and fast and uh, gains you access to all sorts of member-only areas. Please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. We are live. Someone on Twitter, anonymous, asking, are you live on Zoomer? Yes, we are live. I am alive. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your parents' basement, loft, taxi, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, right here in Toronto, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, 50,000 watts of peace and love. Hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliates, uh, the podcasts, of course, the live stream on YouTube. Let me wave to the whip, the uh, the camera. Hello, YouTube uh, stream followers, our HOA, Hangout On Air. Uh, all, and, oh, let me remind you, the um, if you want to take the show wherever you go on your mobile device, two apps that you have to have. One is the Zoomer Radio app and uh, the Conspiracy Show app. Two of the best radio apps anywhere. Phenomenal. And they're free. Doesn't get any better than that. So however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and thanks for your fine company. A Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our resident paranormal investigator, is standing by along with her co-author, uh, Darren Evans. And um, we'll get into uh, their latest work, the Zozo Phenomenon. Zozo. Uh, Ouija board users be forewarned. <laughs> Ian Robertson is here. Uh, channeling Eddie Cochran. Uh, greetings to you, my fine rockabilly friend. Uh, honestly, this kid, I, I, as I said, I have socks older than him, uh, he, but here he is. He's such a throwback, like circa 1958, uh, with the rolled-up uh, jeans and the slicked-back hair. Uh, are you a time traveler, Ian? Be straight with me. Now he's nodding his head no, or he's shaking his head no. I don't know. I have my doubts. How does a a, a young 20-something... Uh, end up, you know, touring with not one but two rockabilly bands. And, uh, I mean, you have a passion, obviously, for that era of music. Uh, you know, why aren't you, uh, you know, listening to that um, that god-awful racket like, the you know, the rest of your friends? Uh, I blame my parents' musty 45s in the basement. Musty 45s in the basement. There you go. So uh, when I mention, when I throw out a name like Eddie Cochran, I mean, you're on, on the same page, you know. Yeah, 20 Flight Rock. There you go. Well done, sir. Well done. Well, uh, I mentioned this before. You've got to come to uh, my next live event, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses, uh, with my good friend R. Gary Patterson. That's at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium, Saturday, October the 15th, uh, strangeplanet.ca live events page. Remote viewer... Albert Vinzel is here, my story producer. I call him remote viewer because he's, uh, well, he's very interested in remote viewing. And we've, you know what, I've decided, uh, Albert, uh, number one, we're going to get you on the air a little bit more. And, uh, oh, I got the wrong mic. Where are you? You're on number four. There you go. Um, we did a remote viewing. Hello, Albert. Hi. By, by the way, what did you think of our live event today? A- amazing event. We're very lucky to have things like this come to Toronto. We had a very good turnout. Judy Wood is a very approachable, very friendly woman. 
She was kind enough to stay to the very end. Everyone who wanted to have a photograph or have a book signed, she everyone got to have a chance. Sure, but what did you think of, of the case that she laid out for directed free energy on 9-11? Well, we took an informal poll at the end, and I think she convinced everyone who was there. The, the information has to be taken more serious, and it's it's like 15 years on. There, there, it should be in court. I don't know why it's not in court. That's true. We did. We took an informal poll after, and there were I, I don't remember how many people raised their hand. I asked how many of you, you know, subscribe to the nanothermite and how many of you changed your mind? And uh, yeah, she did. She she changed some hearts and minds. Um, anyway, what I wanted to mention, Albert, is I don't know when a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, remote viewer on the program, and we did a little remote viewing experiment. And you're very interested in remote viewing. I mean, you're you you've uh, you've read, you know, um, uh, Ingo Swan and, and you're up on all of this stuff. And I thought maybe we could institute a new segment on the program, not every week necessarily. Um, I'm thinking about calling it What's in the Box. And what do you think if we did that, you know, um, maybe we'll start next week and you'll, we'll do a little remote viewing just to kick off the show very quick. And you can, you can utilize your remote viewing skills and see if you can determine, you know, what I'm hiding in the box. What do you think? Would you be game for that? Sure. I, sure, I'm willing to try. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, ideally, you, it would prove that psychic ability is real and we would have brought good back into the world. And that leaves a post-generational impact. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the stuff I'm into. A post-generational impact. Good for you. All right. Um, Albert Vinzel. Um, For decades, unsuspecting users of spirit boards have been pestered and attacked by a malevolent entity that calls itself Zozo, the king of kings. Evenings of entertainment have ended in anxiety and fear with lingering problems ranging from hauntings to dream invasion to psychological terror. Darren Evans is a paranormal survivor who learned about Zozo the hard way and took his story to the world. People around the planet responded with similar stories and some that were even more shocking. In this groundbreaking book, uh, The Zozo Phenomenon, Darren Evans and paranormal expert Rosemary Ellen Guiley probe the mystery of Zozo from ancient gods to modern aliens, demons, and more. Who is Zozo and what does Zozo want? These answers may surprise you. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, a leading expert in the metaphysical and paranormal fields with more than 60 books published on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedia and reference works. Paranormal researcher Daryl Evans is an expert on the entity known as Zozo that hundreds of people across the world have reported contact with through the Ouija board and other methods. Rosemary, Darren, welcome to both of you. How are you? Hi, Richard. Hey, Rosemary. I'm doing hey, pretty good. I just got uh, off the road tonight. I've been out in Ohio. I was at a seance this weekend. Ah, all right. He did not show up. He did not. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Thanks for that, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, Darren, welcome to you as well. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight, man. Appreciate my pleasure. My pleasure. The Zozo Phenomenon. Um, okay, so... Um, when did we first get reports of Zozo coming through on talking boards or Ouija boards? Does it go back to the to the beginning of you know the development of of, of these spirit boards? Well, Zozo has a very long history, and um, actually, we don't know the the very first time that Zozo showed up on a Ouija board. 
um, accounts started cropping up in the 70s and 80s and uh, when people started talking about their experiences. And I think, um, you know, Darren was certainly at the forefront of that because he put it out uh, on the Internet, and that encouraged other people to uh, report. My feeling is that Zozo has been a board communicator for a long time, probably as long as the board has been around, but it's been around much longer than the board. So he's simply, uh, Zozo is using the board now, uh, but maybe prior to the development of talking boards, he was using some other method, and we, we, we can talk about that. Darren, your first encounter with Zozo, how did that break out? Um, I was in my teens, uh, in, I believe it was 1982, uh, when I was dating a, a young lady who lived across the street from my grandmother in West Tulsa. Uh, along the banks of the Arkansas River, well, at the house that she lived in that her parents owned, there was a very strange double-sided board that was found underneath the house. Uh, and it was surrounded by jars of, of uh, preserved blackbirds. Uh, the Weezy board was a, a, a piece of art. It was uh, uh, engraved. It was uh, sculpted. It, uh, it had strange symbols. And on one side was a standard William Fold talking board. But it was the other side that had Zozo inscribed on it that was just real menacing. And uh, we began to have sessions on that board. And that's when my involvement um, with this whole phenomenon uh, first, you know, took place. Uh, Tell me more about the uh, jars of preserved blackbirds. What's that all about? Yeah. Uh, You know, I didn't understand at the time that there may be some type of significant... uh, with the whole prophecy and demonology. Um but they were they were very well preserved in old lightning jars, one on each corner of the board. And I remember um, it, it, these jars had a, like a preservative on the outside as well, like a chalky. Substance. And I remember uh, clearing off that chalky substance and holding that jar up to the to the sun and, and just seeing the uh, blood red eyes of a blackbird. They're very very well preserved. Oh my. And and despite I mean all of this ominous symbology and and associations with the Ouija board, you decided to give it a whirl anyway. I mean that would be enough to scare most people off. But you were un, un uh, undaunted, I guess. My girlfriend's uh, mother was was a self professed Wiccan, um, so she she was always reading books. Or, uh, she was into fairies and just of uh, you know that type of you know, stuff, uh, and so. While she, while she wasn't very adamant about us using the board, it became problematic when we did start to use it and activity began to take place. Well, let's, uh, we're coming up on a break, but let's begin that discussion um, about uh, when Zozo came through. Go ahead, Darren. Before yeah, We're going to break in, a, in about probably a minute and a half, but yeah. let's start the conversation um, now. It uh, just like in other people's encounters, you know, fast forward, you know, thirty years. Uh, there's there's certain things that, like the planchet behavior. Uh, uh, this thing with you know, it has a signature characteristic uh, in in its uh, manners of communication. Um, but very quickly, with uh, uh, the planchet would scoot completely off the board and then come back in the opposite direction and actually scoot the board off the table, causing it to land on the floor. And, uh, and that's where if we were using the William Fold side, it didn't want us to use that side. It wanted us to use Zozo side. And so um, that's how things kind of started out. 
And does he spell out his his uh, name? I mean, how does he make himself uh, no, his presence known? Uh, aside from obviously the the planchet flying all over the place, but does he spell out his uh, does he spell out his name? It's it's very um, common that um, it it quickly goes back and forth from the letter Z to the letter uh, O, which I uh, kind of call the rainbow effect, which happens in a lot of people's encounters with this particular entity. And so yeah, there's a Z O Z O rainbow effect, uh, uh, and just a significant uh, increase. You know, a lot of times it'll pretend to be a deceased loved one and kind of get you hooked, uh, giving you uh, information that wasn't disclosed. Um, you know, like middle middle names, dates of birth, and so it's it's very psychological um, in how it uh, gains you know further access to us uh, to participate. All right, let me uh, let me uh, just jump in. We'll take a timeout. Uh, perhaps Ian, I can get you to try and reconnect uh, with Darren. His phone line is a little dodgy. And uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us as well. Darren Evans, co-authors of the Zozo Phenomenon. If you've got a Ouija board. Uh, Be forewarned. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Darren Evans, co-author of The Zozo Phenomenon. The Ouija board demon, some uh, call him or it. I don't know if we call it a, a him. Um, Darren was telling us about his um, his first encounter with Zozo. How about you, Rosemary? Well, my first encounters with Zozo occurred much later, um, within about the last 10 years or so. And um, in the course of my paranormal investigation, you know, I've used a, a quite a variety of equipment, a lot of ghost boxes, dowsing rods, uh, also Ouija boards. I've used them in investigations. And occasionally I would get, uh, uh, even on the ghost box, uh, as well as the Ouija board, a communicator uh, that spelled its name Zozo. And I had uh, heard that others had had encounters with a negative entity going by the same name. And... Um, I had heard Darren Evans' name in connection with that, so I got in touch with Darren, and I was doing a lot of research on the Ouija board at the time, and um, uh, we had uh, quite a few conversations about Zozo, and I interviewed him for my uh, book on the Ouija board, Ouija Gone Wild, that I did with Rick Fisher. And uh, all of the communications uh, that have been interrupted by Zozo um, have they've always taken a dark turn. This is a very strong entity that manages to push its way into uh, a spirit communication session, and sometimes it just takes over. And it does self-identify itself uh, as uh, a masculine kind of presence, although it does have a female uh, alter ego uh, presence as well, and it calls itself the king of kings. Uh, and 
and uh, spells out Zozo very rapidly sometimes, uh, and sometimes it's a little slower. And uh, a lot of, uh, in many cases, it just won't go away. You literally have to close down the session. Uh, with some people, Zozo starts out very friendly, it follows the typical pattern of a trickster kind of entity being uh, funny and engaging and accurate, and then uh, as soon as people sort of become hooked on communicating uh, with this entity over multiple sessions, then it um, then deteriorates into a very manipulative, threatening uh, kind of communicator, and people begin experiencing phenomena. They have nightmares and poltergeist stuff that happens in their homes. Bad luck, depression? bad luck depression they start to feel watched uh, it it literally is able to attach itself to people and uh, to the environment so that's one of the dangers with becoming fascinated by by zozo and it's easy for people to be fascinated um, many people want to thrill when they contact the spirit world especially young people the idea of getting in touch with something that's dangerous or demonic uh, has uh, a lot of appeal, and they don't stop to think that um, uh, these entities really are dangerous. It's not just cartoon comic book stuff. They they really do carry a very powerful punch. Uh, Darren, uh, some of the other negative experiences, or one of the other negative experiences uh, I've heard about that, that are associated with Zozo, the Ouija board demon, uh, sexual attacks. Uh, what can you tell us about that? There's been numerous reports of, you know, perverse uh, conversations initially, which lead to these uh, strange uh, spirit attachments where people report uh, touching their bodies, uh, you know, uh, lots of different, uh, you know, sexual type of just perverted stuff that it that'll it'll come across as, as it communicates, and so it's definitely in many reports. Uh, uh, you know, this this whole sexual perverted aspect seems to come into play. Almost sounds like Zozo could be an incubus or a succubus. I'm not sure which, I can't remember which is female and which is male, but uh, incubus, succubus, is that possible? Well, it certainly is. The incubus is the male uh, demonic aspect and the succubus is the female. <clears throat> and uh, Zozo has all the characteristics uh, attributed to demons, there's also a jinn personality to it. Uh, overall, uh, a negative a spirit, and it's very typical of these negative spirits to uh, sexually harass people, uh, as well as plague them with a lot of other kinds of manipulative sorts of behavior. So, what um, what are some of the other uh, warning signs or common signs that Zozo? Let's say you're in, you're involved in a in a session of, with the Ouija board. You mentioned uh, Darren the um, I think you called it the the rainbow side to side movements of the planchette. Um, but what are some of the other signs that you may be in contact with Zozo? Let's say he hasn't identified himself yet as Zozo. Uh, but what are some of the, the signs? Well, there's a lot of times that if this entity will, will try to persuade the participants into um, believing that it's a guardian angel. Um, and again, it's a, it's a trickster mechanism. Uh, it employs all types of, uh, depending on the individual and its weaknesses, so to speak, uh, it, it, can, it has that ability to just, uh, 
you know, deploy a psychological attack on people and, and uh, whatever means that it, that it, you know, thinks it can get in to a person's head. I mean, it's, it's very, it seems to be quite successful in certain cases. Uh, is it just you, you get this feeling you're being watched? Uh, thuds on the walls are very common. Uh, uh, even laughter or voices, you know, emanating from nowhere. Uh, there's a lot of reports of those. Um, a lot of reports, it tells people that it wants to take them to paradise. And then people will say, well, where's paradise? And then it'll spell hell. And so it's, it, these types of negative type of, uh, conversations. Now, does Zozo go by different names in different regions of the world? Uh, I mean, or is it Zozo, consistently Zozo? Or are there other names? Well, Rosemary, I took a... a a pretty good look at the etymology of the, the root word Zo, and that seems to have uh, ties to ancient voodoo, meaning a spiritual leader. Uh, and so we have some African um, uh, indigenous tribal type people that also use the Zo, the people, you know, the Zo people of Burma. There's various societies of people that use that root word Zo uh, as uh, being from a descendant uh, of Zo. And so we really took a look at uh, all the, you know, we're finding connections all over, you know, that jumps geographical and language barriers with that root word, and then finding uh, uh, other, you know, actual connections which mention the word Z-O-Z-O-Zozo as an actual demon in, uh, in several different texts. Wasn't there also a demon, um, a demon known as Pazuzu? Um, I'm trying to remember where I saw that. Uh, does that ring a bell, Rosemary, Pazuzu? Yes, it's uh, from the Middle East, and an ancient demon of the winds is um, uh, what Pazuzu is associated with, and uh, it also has connections to the exorcist case. Oh, tell me uh, more. As well <laughs> as being uh, one of the demons involved in that. Uh, and uh, the, the etymology that Darren was referring to, we, we find a lot of very strange connections with just the term zo and zozo, and that it, uh, uh, from culture to culture it has a negative connotation, referring to the spirit world having kind of a dark negative connotation, something very dangerous. Um, there are often uh, sexual aspects to the term uh, and then it has associations with the demonic. It's uh, Zozo is listed in um, the uh, dictionary Infernal that was uh, written in the um, mid 19th century. A minor demon um, in possession cases. And uh, w one of the most, I would say, shocking references that we uncovered to Zozo goes back to the 1300s. So this is not just a modern, uh, you know, meme going around about the Ouija board, as some skeptics have suggested. Uh, we found a reference to Zozo, the mass of Zozo, or mass of demons, uh, in a sermon written by uh, St. Bernardino in Italy. And uh, he preached a lot of fiery sermons uh, in his day, and uh, this particular sermon had to do with uh, what, what if uh, the devil set up his own church and mimicked the Catholic Church, and so instead of, um, you know, the regular Mass, there would be the, the Mass of Zozo, the Mass uh, common to all demons, and that's the earliest reference 
that we can find to Zozo in, uh, within the context of uh, what we would consider to be a demon, a, a demonic entity. But Zozo then has all of these other dark associations throughout the ages as well, and it, they all revolve around sex, trickster stuff, uh, danger, demonic, um, dark side of the spirit world, very strange connections. And uh, then Zozo has a lot of alter egos, and this is one of the tricky things about this entity. Zaza is, is very common, and a lot of Z-sounding names uh, that are often very short. And uh, then it has two other very odd alter egos. One is Mama, mm. and Mama is uh, has a more ferocious uh, presence sometimes uh, than Zozo, and it also goes by Lily. And we believe that that is a con- connection to Lilith. Lilith, as in uh, the, 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 the goddess. Uh, yes, the, the uh, first wife of Adam, who uh, then became the, the queen of all demons. And uh, according to lore, uh, she created all the uh, demonic entities who became the incubi and the succubi. Ah, I, I, oh, that I wasn't aware of. I, I, I'm familiar with a, a musical festival called Lilith's Fair. Is that the same Lilith? Um, a musical festival? Yeah, Lilith's Fair, and it's uh, you know they're kind of uh, paying homage to the uh, the feminine uh, divinity. Well, uh, Lilith, uh, like all uh, you know deity kinds of figures, and I, uh, has positive aspects as well as negative aspects. But she's best known as the queen of the demons, and uh, in her her better aspect, she would be considered a very powerful uh, female figure. Um, she had a falling out with Adam. She didn't like to be, uh, you know, second string to him, uh, and uh, took revenge by, uh, you know, spawning all of these uh, demonic uh, offspring. Mm. Uh, Darren Evans and Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, are with us, co-authors of The Zozo Phenomenon. We're talking about Zozo, the Ouija board demon. If uh, Zozo uh, comes through the Ouija board and the person uh, or the people participating don't know how to dispatch Zozo or close the session, I mean, if left unchecked, how you know how much damage can Zozo do? Could it lead, for example, to a, a full-blown demonic possession? You know, I have worked some cases, consulted on cases. One particular case in New Jersey involving some uh, teenage twins, uh, in which there was documented evidence that they uh, become possessed. It was filmed in a church. Uh, I've I've come across probably. Uh, ten separate cases involving actual possession uh, in connection with the Zozo phenomenon. So those level three, uh, you know, Zozo encounters that I kind of classify those level threes, are, are they, you know, they lead up to a full possession is, is what uh, is what I'm finding. Uh, I mean, that should be enough for anyone to swear off the Ouija board for good, one would think. No, I mean, am I, am I? What am I missing here, Rosemary, Darren? I mean, I, I mean, I've always, um, uh, you know, sort of warned people about the Ouija board, and it's not for me. It's not something I do. But if we're talking about the potential 
for you know a full-blown demonic possession and just by playing the seemingly harmless you know parlor game why would anyone want to dabble with this well first I, i'd like to point out that zozo is quite capable of coming across any kind of spirit communication device and even just in a seance situation we've had cases of zozo with automatic writing zozo and dream visitations um, the ghost box, uh, and so Zozo is capable of reaching people in a variety of ways, but it seems to favor the Ouija board, and I, I think that uh, that's because so many people use it. It is a widely purchased uh, device. Uh, many people use it for entertainment or thrill-seeking, and so I think it's easier to to get at vulnerable people that way. But um, as you know, Richard, I've argued for uh, many years that the board itself is really neutral, and it's how people use it that can get them into trouble. Um, and with the, with the board, we have it um, in use in parties and investigations, and these are situations where uh, people are often pretty wound up about uh, getting a thrill and getting something exciting to happen. And, and in a party case, there could be uh, recreational substances involved, alcohol. And uh, so the wrong circumstances. And I think uh, those are indeed part of the problem. But nonetheless, both Darren and I have seen many cases where um, people have been in vulnerable emotional states. Uh, you know, they're under stress or they've been uh, ill for a while or they've got um, something emotion some sort of turbulent emotional situation going on with them that's the vulnerable and they should not be using any kind of spirit communication device because that sends out a signal to the spirit world all right let's take a time out come back Darren Evans Rosemary Ellen Guiley the Zozo phenomena stay with us peering into the shadows where the truth often hides you're listening to the conspiracy show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. No way. Yes way. It's true. With the EcoTank printer from Epson, you could print for years without ever changing the cartridge. Print up to 8,000 pages cartridge-free. Yes. See the totally cartridge-free EcoTank at Staples or Best Buy. Epson.ca slash EcoTank. Let me tell you about the guy who ran over himself. He asked his girlfriend if she'd pick up his sports nutrition and protein while she was out shopping, and she said she had no time to go all over the place to get those things. So he said, okay. Don't worry, I'll run over myself. And he ran over to Healthy Planet because the expert advice and everything he needs, everything she needs, everything you need to be healthy and keep the planet healthy is not all over the place. It's all over at Healthy Planet. Live life healthy at Healthy Planet. I'm Nicole McCallum, your Trafalgar travel expert. Step out of your travel comfort zone and join us in Asia, South America, or the South Pacific. Being a truly global travel company, we at Trafalgar are taking our European expertise to exotic countries like India and Japan, breaking bread with locals and drinking in their culture. Save up to 10% with your early payment discount when you pay by January 12th. Book now at Trafalgar.com. Live for the moments. Explore the world beyond Europe. Simply discover Trafalgar. Hello. Please leave a message. Hey, you missed a great day, man. Doug got a hole-in-one. No kidding. But this you'll find even harder to believe. Back at the clubhouse, Jeff picked up the tab. Wish you could have been there, bud. 
Hey, we miss you. Serious back, sciatica, and neck pain can prevent you from working, walking, and enjoying an active life. This is Dr. Ron Nussbaum from Back Limits of Canada. Call 1-877-PAIN-FREE. That's 1-877-PAIN-FREE. Or visit backlimitsofcanada.ca. S stands for smooth. Like the competition, Salem tires are optimized to ensure a quiet and smooth ride, but cost up to 50% less. So we figure M should stand for money, A for all season, R for reliability, and T for maximum tread life, making Salen all-season tires the smart buy. Drive smart on Salen all-season tires and take Salen with you through every turn. Find a dealer near you at salentires.ca. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, Here's two more numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Yes, uh, we'd love to hear your Ouija board gone bad stories. Perhaps you've had an encounter with an entity named Zozo. We make the phone lines available to you. In the meantime, Darren Evans, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, stay with us, co-authors of The Zozo Phenomenon. Darren, uh, I know people, you know, contact you with their Zozo encounters. Can you can you share uh, another one, perhaps uh, one of the more harrowing encounters? Um, there's, there's been a, just a, a wide swath of, of um, encounters across the world uh, some of the worst ones would involve uh, suicide, uh, tragic accidents. Um, there's several several uh, stories on the internet um, of just very negative circumstances which develop. Uh, in the new book, there's uh, there's dozens of stories um, in connection with this phenomenon. But uh, you know, it's not just those; it's these other Z entities, as I call them that I'll gravitate towards this letter Z. And then when uh, Rosemary and I did quite a bit of research on the letter Z in history, and it has a very fascinating and negative history as well, uh, being, you know, uh, sort of a uh, the letter of prophecy, the letter of uncertainty. Uh, it was eliminated from uh, uh, several languages, uh, such as Latin, uh, because it, it, uh, the pronunciation of the letter uh, to them resembled a... Uh, uh, they called it the rictus of death, which was a basically a smile um, from a, uh, a body that had been dug up out of the ground. And so uh, why do these entities choose these names with the letter Z? And so it's very – it's just another strange mystery within the phenomenon itself. I had no – that's fascinating. I had no idea that the letter – well, you say Z. We say Z up here, which is interesting. I wonder that then if we use the word Z, does that tend to – I don't know, perhaps soften the uh, the effect. Uh, but uh, I had no idea that the letter Z or Z had been expunged from uh, certain alphabets. That's fascinating. Um, so you mentioned uh, there have been suicides associated with uh, Zozo. How do we know? Do, do, the, do the actual, do the victims, do they leave letters uh, mentioning Zozo or... Do friends say, well, the last thing they were doing was they, they were on a Ouija board? And I mean, tell me how we, we sort of piece that together the connection between these suicides and Zozo, the Ouija board demon. Well, one thing that I always try to tell people um, when they do use uh, practice uh, the talking board 
is to not ask questions pertaining to future events. I had two very close friends that asked um, how they would die in Ouija sessions uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and in one particular case, it told my friend Randy that he would die. Uh, it spelled car crash at night all alone. And that's exactly how he died. The other friend, um, when he asked it, it said it just spelled murder. And uh, his death remains an unsolved mystery uh, just outside of Tulsa in a little town called Collinsville. And so having experienced <clears throat> these types of negative consequences, Richard, you, you know, why would anybody go back to the board? Well, I've asked my, myself that question many times. And in other um, it's it's kind of like what I described would, would be kind of like being hooked on a substance. You you know it's not good for you, um, but you keep going back to it. And with a lot of people, it's it's being scared, that addiction to, to fear. And um, unfortunately, fear seems to be a uh, uh, a food, a nutrient source of this entity, which it, uh, um, it feeds off of fear, literally. And so uh, with these psychological aspects, with the, you know, the burning of the zozobra, all these different fascinating connections, usually uh, with, with a negative uh, energy source. And so um, with the letter Z, and just, I mean, it, it, and we, in, in the book, we, we get into you know, the, the alien connection, um, how uh, another ufologist was contacted um, by a zoo from Neptune. I uh, was predicting the end of the world and how they uh, uh, started communicating using a, a Morse code type. And so... All these connections, uh, and so it makes for a, uh, a pretty interesting topic of discussion, but it leads into these, uh, the, the whole fascinating uh, Ouija phenomenon. So it's, uh, I encourage people that are interested in the paranormal to uh, check the book out for sure. And you mentioned that uh, the, you know part of the appeal or part of the reason people go, keep going back and trying to reach out to Zozo or, or you know, during these Ouija board sessions is this addiction uh, to fear – uh, is that true in your in your case? I mean, have you found yourself sort of being drawn into into this? I mean, do you physically have to sort of stop yourself saying, "No, I'm not. I can't do this anymore." Well, I remember, you know, during the episode of Ghost Adventures when Zach, uh, well, Nick and I were using the board. I hadn't used one in perhaps eight years, uh, and so there is that there were you know the, the fear in that house and on people's faces. I mean, just the expectation. And there does seem to be an expectation uh, expectation bias uh, when when people if people go into these sessions uh, with the expect you know expectations of becoming fearful, then it's good. it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, and I think that can uh, add a dimension of danger to uh, the the whole Ouija board uh, with people getting on them and, and using them with that you know that expected fear aspect. How about for you, Rosemary? I mean, do you do you let's be honest? Is is there a bit of a thrill? When you when you contact Zozo, well, the um, first few times uh, that it happened, I was curious more than anything, and um, I think that's also how some people get drawn in. Um, it's um, it, it's like the board starts taking on a, a new personality, a different personality, and you, as as an investigator, you want to see what's going to unfold, what's going to happen. Uh, however, I have had um, n- not a lot, but you know, every now and then, negative communicators come across in uh, like the ghost box sessions and other kinds of spirit communication methods. 
and it's my practice to uh, to shut that off as quickly as I can. Uh, I mean, once you ascertain that something is um, of a negative bent and that it's just going to hang around and uh, want to cause problems, you're not doing yourself any favors or anybody else who's present by allowing that uh, entity to gain more energy in the situation. Amen to that. We'll take a quick time out, Rosemary. And uh, Darren Evans, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, stay with us. We'll find out uh, before the uh, top of the hour how to... I guess close a Ouija board session and get rid of Zozo. Uh, but before that, we'll take a time out and uh, continue this conversation on the other side. Stay with Fasten us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Darren Evans, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, co-authors of The Zozo Phenomenon, uh, often described as the Ouija board demon. Are there safety in numbers uh, if, for example... um, you, you're, you've got six people in a room uh, on the Ouija board versus – I'm guessing you should never play alone. Uh, but, um, I mean, are you safer if there are – is a larger group on the Ouija board? Well, not necessarily. Uh, what Zozo seems to do is target um, the weakest link in the room, that is, the person who is the most vulnerable – and that could be for a variety of reasons. So it really wouldn't matter how many people might be in the room. Uh, it, it's going to find uh, the best target. And you, you're absolutely right, Richard. People should not use the board alone. Um, even if nothing negative comes through, it's the kind of thing that obsesses people. And the more obsessed you get uh, with uh, pursuing any kind of spirit communications, the more likely you are to get into problem territory. Have either of you ever asked Zozo how old it is, he is, she is? I have not. Darren? I, I remember asking an age, and it just spelling out all kinds of numbers that didn't really make any, any much sense. And there's, there's other people that have reported that they've asked how old it is with varying degrees of, of success. So, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 there's that psychological component. Um, you know, is, are, are we messing with, you know, and with the popularity, um, so many people have heard of it by now. It seems they're almost taking a, an egregore type of substance to it. Um, uh, which there may have been, you know, something uh, before the popularity of the internet really gave it a lot of um, uh, recognition, and so, um, you know, with you know, all human beings are capable of committing you know horrific acts, you know, acts upon people, and so does this, does this thing attach itself to what uh, Carl Jung, you know, described as the shadow, and so it's uh, definitely you know, a, a psychological component to this whole thing with the communication. Any evidence that Zozo is getting stronger? You know, there's a uh, at Knott's Berry Farm this year. There is a new exhibit which um, uses uh, virtual reality 
technology, and it's based on the Zozo Demon. Uh, in this uh, skeleton maze, they call it, <clears throat> you're going to be sitting down with, with multiple people that pay money to go in and sit with a huge Ouija board and get harassed by this Zozo Demon. And so it does seem to be gaining uh, both popularity uh, you know, and strength because of its recognition. Um, Rosemary, has Zozo ever told you things uh, about, I don't know, a relative or about um, you personally that no one else would know? I have not had uh, communication like that with Zozo, but other people have. And uh, we run across this um, fairly frequently in Zozo cases where Zozo starts out being very accurate, and sometimes people even think that they're talking to a deceased person, perhaps even uh, a relative or even someone close to them. This is an entity who's capable of masquerading and shape-shifting and taking on a lot of guises, and uh, it uh, is capable of um, mimicking um, uh, information, you know, personal information that... Um, either seems accurate or is accurate, can be validated. And that's one of the ways that people kind of get sucked in. Uh, they start giving over their authority and their trust to this, uh, this entity. And uh, then, uh, you know, when it reveals itself, which it, it does ultimately, um, then there seems to be a, a, an extreme fascination with, well, how did this happen? And what's going on here? And for some people, that can uh, be very exciting. And for other people, uh, they're they're just pulled in like uh, into quicksand uh, in in terms of continuing a link with this entity. What if? Uh, what if all of the the spirit the spirits uh, that people are communicating with uh, turn out to be? Uh, a Zozo, uh, not necessarily the Zozo, but some demonic trickster entity that is playing the part of a dearly departed loved one. Uh, and in some cases, you know, they do identify themselves as Zozo, but maybe some of them are in it for the long haul. They're really in to, to earn somebody's trust, and then out comes the knife. I mean, is that not a possibility? In other words, all spirit communication is ultimately demonic. Uh, well, it's many people have speculated on that, Richard, and uh, put that idea forward. And uh, the disturbing thing is that you can't refute it. It is a possibility because uh, there there is a fair amount of masquerading and uh, deceit that goes on in the spirit world. The the problem that it poses for us on this side. Uh, is that uh, if we distrust everything, then uh, we cut ourselves off from the potential of having legitimate, genuine communication. And there's uh, a tremendous amount of positive communication that goes on. Uh, is is that also uh, a masquerade, a deceit by some, uh, you know, literally an awe? Talk about, uh, you know, Zozo. Well, Zozo also uses Oz and Ozo. Uh, as as um, some of its uh, uh, alter egos, is there some big Oz behind the curtain that's that's orchestrating all of this just to monkey around with people? And uh, the truth of it is, we don't know. We can't say for certain. 
it, it's a disturbing possibility. Uh, my own belief is that uh, we, we can get both sides of the spectrum. We have genuine communication, and then we have this trickster stuff, and it's often problematic where you draw the line between the two. Uh, let me get Darren's take on that. Is it possible that uh, ultimately all spirit communication is demonic? You know, I, I would say that is a possibility. Um, you know, the Bible says it warns you not to mess with this type of stuff, and so there's other beliefs. But then there's you know indigenous, vis uh, animistic type beliefs that uh, attribute everything being spiritual and spirits being able to uh, manifest. Uh, spirits being able to be attached to objects, people, places, things. And so I think it has a lot to do with your belief system. I grew up as a Christian. Uh, I lean towards this phenomenon as being demonic, uh, whereas Rosemary, she's had a lot more positive experiences. Um, there's there's other uh, regiologists and, and researchers that are having positive experiences with uh, talking boards as a, as a means of spirit communication. And so uh, that, you know, while that possibility exists, uh, I do, you know, it's my hunch that you can talk to both good and evil entities using the spirit board. All right. Well, we, we can't end the evening without some uh, safety instructions. Let's say, for example, then that uh, a group of uh, people around the Ouija board make contact with Zozo and things turn south real fast and they, uh, they want to close that door. They want uh, Zozo to be gone. What are the steps necessary? The first thing to <clears throat> first thing to do is to uh, tell Zozo very emphatically to leave, that it is not welcome and it must depart. And if it continues to have a control over the planchette, uh, and this is when uh, people often describe that the planchette sort of uh, takes on a life of its own when this entity shows up. Uh, then the session must be deliberately shut down. And so you do that uh, out loud uh, by uh, reinforcing that Zozo is not welcome, is not to uh, enter into this space. This session is closed. The planchette should be moved to goodbye. Uh, many people have the practice of wiping the board then. That uh, is one way of, like, clearing energy off the board. And it is very important also uh, to uh, pull your mental shutters down. Uh, that is, you, uh, you imagine uh, that uh, you have um, no access, that uh, no spirit has access to you. You are in uh, a shield of white light. Uh, and um, to to hold that uh, that thought. Now, some people will also do a cleanse if they feel that something might be lingering in the environment. They'll do a cleansing. Um, they'll bring out sage or uh, white candles and invoke the presence of angels, guardians, uh, religious figures to uh, to protect the space. And in some cases where, uh, let's say, people are using a board fairly regularly and Zozo starts showing up uh, almost every time the board is in use, uh, then it's a good idea just to stop the practice. And uh, I think Darren can certainly speak to that, what he had to do to uh, get out from under Zozo. Yes, Darren, please, fill us in. Um, that's, that's not an easy question to answer uh, as far as, you know, 
an easy getting rid of this type of entity. Uh, but I think the uh, the ruling question by most uh, people uh, that are into Ouija boards is, is, and perhaps the most important one is, if you're on a board and begin to experience these evil communications and, and uh, 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 blasphemous exchanges, uh, make sure that you uh, either physically or let the planchet go over the word goodbye. And, and you know, using a Ouija board is an invitation uh, to to spirits to communicate with you. Uh, so. When you invite something in, I think it's a pretty good idea that if you don't want to be around that uh, anymore, to dismiss that entity or spirit uh, and, and tell it goodbye. Tell it to leave you alone and then get off the board and separate the planchette from the board and just take a break. Uh, if you get back on there, and, and in many cases, uh, it kind of takes over the board. These Z entities and Mama, and, uh, they, they, they have a tendency to take over the, the, the user's board. Uh, and whether or not they deploy these psychological strange, uh, going backward to the alphabet uh, numbers, I would say steer away from that type of activity. Uh, and when you're, when you're, what I've noticed in my experiences is never let the entity kind of um, uh, draw the conversation or lead uh, the conversation, as opposed to the, you know, the users. We're supposed to be the one asking, you know, asking the questions, and things can get carried away if you let these entities, uh, you know direct the conversation and so definitely goodbye dismiss the spirit and then uh, uh get away from it for a while all right and uh maybe the jesus prayer can't hurt either all right uh darren and uh, rosemary great pleasure thanks for spending some time with us this evening Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much, Richard. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next month, Rosemary. The Zozo Phenomenon. Uh, My thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, remote viewer. We're going to start that segment next week. What's in the box, Albert? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.